Good morning, Junction 10. Morning. It's like coming home. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I'm, I know you're doing this series on the I Am sayings of Jesus, and this week it's I Am the Gate or the Door. So just going to start with a reading from John chapter 10. It's coming up on the screen. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Verse 7, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when Jesus said, I'm the gate or the door, in other words, the way in, he means the way to God. He was actually talking to Pharisees, so very religious people, but telling them that all their religious credentials didn't add up to much. They didn't like that. He used the illustration of sheep pens. A sheep pen only had one narrow entrance and the sheep could get in or out through it, but wolves and sheep rustlers couldn't get in. And Jesus said, I'm that narrow gate. Through me, people find protection and abundant life. Now, Oprah Winfrey wrote a book called Live Your Best Life. And that title caught on. And now all kinds of people are claiming to be living their best life. But Jesus was talking to very religious men and their approach to living their best life was that you've got to obey all the rules, God's rules, they said. And it wore people out. And that approach to religion still does wear people out. Jesus is the way to God. Now, a few weeks ago, my younger daughter and her husband, they went to a hotel. And when they got into the room, they couldn't find the bathroom. So they thought, there's no bathroom, it doesn't exist, until they found the way in. And it turned out they had to go through the wardrobe to get it, so it was like <laughs> Narnia. But when they found the door, they found there was a lovely bathroom. It did exist. And you know, a lot of people think that God doesn't exist, he isn't there. But that's because they don't know the way to get to him. And Jesus said, that's me, I'm the gate, or the door, or the way in. Now, as a child, I don't remember anybody telling me this. I thought you had to be very, very good to get to God. But I can't recall anybody saying, if you want to find God, you've got to come to Jesus. Now, we keep being told that in our culture, people are not interested in God. People say churches are in decline. They're not all, actually. But they say today's generation have got no use for religion. It's certainly true that people used to use the church for a hatch match and dispatch, you know, babies, marriage and funerals. And now a lot of people don't bother. I honestly never thought I would see the day when people wouldn't want Christian funerals. But we've all seen the ads, haven't we, for the so-called pure cremation, which means just cremation. So, two questions to address this morning. First of all, why should we want to come to God? What's in it for me? Because nobody will go through this door unless they want to get through and find God. And secondly, how do I come to him? Um, what does it mean when Jesus says, 
I am the gate. So the first question, is it really true that people don't want God? First of all, Jesus said he will give us abundant life. You know, I've never forgot a friend of mine years ago. She went to Florida for a fortnight and she came back and she said, oh, it was life with a capital L for a fortnight. <laughs> and not many people can afford to go to Florida. So what's Jesus on about when he's saying, I'm come that they can live life to the full? Well, how about, first of all, if it means having a sense of identity and purpose, who doesn't want that? How significant is the average human being? <clears throat> we reside on a small rocky planet called Earth within a solar system of eight planets and one star, which is the sun, and they tell us there are billions of stars. <clears throat> As a child, sometimes if I was writing my address in a book, I would write... Warsaw staffs, which it was then, England, Great Britain, the world. Have you ever done that? Now, I had no idea, but I still don't really, but according to Google, our correct cosmic address is Earth, Solar System, Orion Arm, Milky Way, Local Group, Virgo Supercluster, Lanikia Supercluster Universe. You knew that, didn't you, Maureen? <laughs> So apparently we're just a tiny speck lost in the vastness of space. Or we are created by a father who loves us and watches over us. Who doesn't want that? The Bible says, I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, the moon and the stars in their settings. And then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Because we don't exist by accident. We're made to love and be loved. Who doesn't want that? And being significant means being understood. God is a mystery. But the Bible says one day we'll know him fully. And then it says, even as we are fully known. Now there's a thought. Does anybody on this planet really fully know you and understand you? Is there one single person who will take into account the unique way that you're wired up, the circumstances that made you the person you are, or the reasons why you made your mistakes? To be fully known, understood, sympathised with, who doesn't want that? God is love. And he knows me, and he knows all my faults, and he loves me anyway. Who doesn't want that? And he didn't just make you and me to live a few years. He created us to live forever. Now, I've had three score years and ten now. How do we deal with knowing that death is coming? Is it by not thinking about it? If there's one thing Jesus promised us repeatedly, it's everlasting life. He said, say it with me, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Who doesn't want that? Oblivion is not all we've got to look forward to. We couldn't live with that expectation because eternity is built into us. Grief is so painful. The traditional funeral service speaks of our sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. What a shame that people opt out of Christian funerals and don't hear that. Sometimes I wonder if it's just another sign of a society that's in denial about death, you know, this opting out. 
The problem is, however much we don't think about it, we live with it, and we are either helpless hostages to fortune or someone is in control. And we all need reassurance that somebody is in control of this apparently chaotic planet. We can't escape it. There's war and cancer and climate change and child abuse and tyrants. And in the West, entertainment and consumerism kind of distract us, but we can't escape trouble. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world. But he said, I have overcome the world. One day, we'll see the end of war and hunger and cruelty. Who doesn't want that? But for now, you don't have to go through it alone because we have an ever-present, totally trustworthy friend. The Bible says none of all this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Who doesn't want that? It comforts me so much to know that when trouble comes, we'll deal with it together, him and me. And there's all sorts of poetic images in the Bible about God. We've already heard this morning, one of them is that uh, coming to God is like going into a strong tower. He will hold you with his righteous right hand. And this has been so real to me. And you will have days when you feel alone or misunderstood or wounded or even betrayed, but you've always got this friend who doesn't want that. The friend who understands and reassures and heals and gives you peace and also promises for the future because he's coming back one day. John Lennon sang, Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Well, we can't imagine it because in 2023 apparently there are 32 wars believed to be in progress. And in fact, there has been no period in history when there was no conflict. Tyrants crush nations and redraw maps, but they come and go. Where's Stalin? Where's Hitler? Compare them to a humble first century Galilean in peasant's clothing who chose not to use his power. Where is he now? He's already arrived in heaven. And he's there to welcome us there. They thought they'd got rid of him, but he's alive and well, and he's coming back one day to finally banish evil. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to know he's on your side, even against our very last and worst enemy, which is death? That first century Galilean was and is almighty God. But he chose to live a frail human life and die a shameful death so everything humankind had done could be written off. He wiped the slate clean. Whatever your regrets or your guilt, he paid for it. That's why there's no need to hide from God because whatever we've done wrong, it's all paid up. Who doesn't want that? He suffered horribly. He died. He was buried. And then he triumphed over death. And hundreds of people saw him risen that first Easter. And then he was taken up to heaven where he reigns in power. But guess what? He's there praying for us. Who doesn't want that? The only reason anybody wouldn't want God is because they don't know him. 
they have a false impression of him and they don't like what they see. Well, Jesus is the real God. You know, I once imagined God was like an old man with a book writing down everything I did, you know, weighing up the good and the bad. I didn't like him. I was scared of him. But he wasn't real. A bogeyman to frighten children. Through reading the Bible, I discovered Jesus. And you know what? I found I really like this God. He's a beautiful person, loving and compassionate and including everybody in his love. This is the real God. Brian Zand said, if God was a thousand-piece jigsaw, the picture on the box is the face of Jesus. Not a harsh judge, but a saviour and a friend. Who doesn't want that? I simply don't believe it's true that people don't want all of this. And so we come to that second question. How do we get through this gate? And I make no distinction between us. For all I know, there might be people here who've never known Jesus. And I'm pretty certain a lot of us have been committed Christians for years. But you know, sometimes we forget that Jesus is the gate. Sometimes we might feel we slip back a bit. We're not as close to God as we once were or people thought we were. And what do we do to put it right? Work a bit harder to please God. Brush up on those religious credentials. Think if I just pray enough or read the Bible enough or go to church enough or do enough good works, these things will get me brownie points with God. Well, they're only good things to do if they draw us to Jesus. But you know, when they tell us the world, today's world, don't want to know, might it be because they have no interest in be good, pray more, read the Bible more, go to church more, get the brownie points. And there's a paradox here. Because I found that after I discovered Jesus, I actually fell in love with this God. And then I loved the Bible and I loved to pray and I loved church and I loved people. But the point is, Jesus is the way in. This beautiful human being who is also God, this amazingly loyal friend, it's always all about him and coming to him and coming through him to God. He is always the way in. Now, just before I finish and pray, I want to show you a clip from The Chosen now. And there are four words in this scene that Jesus said that I think sum up the whole point of this message. So let's watch the clip. Shalom. Me. Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. 
Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? dialogue to that scene but the four words that really stood out there for me are those four words you only need me and if you read this story in the bible it actually doesn't say it there but it's implicit everywhere in Jesus's teaching and especially the I am sayings you only need me he's the gate to everlasting life because he's paid the price in full for all our wrongs He's the gate because we only need him to make us new people. Not having a righteousness of our own, but his goodness. So nothing to boast about because it's all down to him, Jesus. So how do we come to him? Well, it's not rocket science. We believe him and we trust him. We come to him. We talk to him. We understand that we need him and we only need him. We stop looking for brownie points. We don't try and justify ourselves. We accept that he paid the price for all our imperfections. And so we come to him understanding this. You only need him. 
is the gate, the door to your best and forever life. So I'm going to pray now. And this is a prayer in the first person, so you can make it your prayer as I say the words. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so, Lord Jesus, I come. I come to thank you for dying so that I could have life. I come believing that your sacrifice on the cross absorbed all my guilt. I believe it. I come to you just as I am, certainly imperfect. But I trust you, and I'll keep coming back to you. I trust only you, Lord Jesus Christ, to bring me to heaven. You are an open door. And I believe that by coming to you, I enter into something I could never earn for myself. Everlasting life. Grant me peace and rest in your beautiful presence. Amen. Amen. Amen.